Welcome to the Wine or Milk podcast, where each week we rewatch and review nostalgic movies and media from our childhood to see if it aged like wine or milk. I'm Jess. And I'm Kyle. And this week we're doing a timely pick, Groundhog Day. I realized that you were nominating this, and I think you even mentioned this in the last episode, but it really didn't click for me that Groundhog Day was like literally right when this episode was going to come out. Yeah, February 2nd, every year. I don't know. It's one of those things that I just don't think about anymore. Groundhog Day is meaningless to me, especially in Texas. It's always just spring. True. (laughs) Doesn't matter how many weeks of winter we get because there is no winter. There's like a week of winter. I I guess. We had snow for a day. We did, actually. It like legit full on snowed in Austin. That was crazy. We had like three inches. It's probably because the groundhog is going to say winter is real this year. Yeah. He's going to say like, you know what? I saw my shadow back in December. Forgot to tell you guys my bee. But we have a real winter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Groundhog Day was a very big deal when we were kids. That's for sure. Yeah. I remember, like, it used to be on the news, I think. We had this, like, little TV in our kitchen. And I have, like, a little memory in my head of, like, watching the news in the morning. And, like, all of us huddled around the TV being like, is this little dude going to see a shadow or not? (laughs) This little dude. (laughs) Uh, I think it's still on the news. I don't think that's changed. I think they still, like, highlight Groundhog's Day. I I just think more like me, in my life, that was the peak of Groundhog's Day. It was, it's like a, a, a perfectly square graph. Zero thought about it until I'm, like, five. Then 100% thought about it. And then 0% again when I'm, like, 10. That's good because I feel like elementary school, it was a big deal. Like, you looked forward to Groundhog Day. We had stupid art projects where you, like, take the coffee can, you hollow out the bottom, and mm-hmm. you, like, make a little grass hole thing, and then oh, you have cute. a popsicle pop out of a groundhog. Did you have any of those, like, elementary school crafts? I feel like we did them every year until I was in, like, fourth grade, and then they just stopped. I'm sure we did. I just, like, can't remember any of them. Like, probably, like, a paper plate and you, like, made it look like a groundhog or something like that. I don't know. Oh, you know, elementary schools love paper plate art. Yeah. And love it. <laughs> I'm I'm literally just throwing a dart and hoping it hits. And I feel like it has a pretty good chance of hitting a bullseye. <laughs> Either paper plate or macaroni. Something with macaroni. That was the other thing. I was going to be like, maybe it was a macaroni. Something. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I just, I know it used to be really big. I wonder if when I was little, I actually thought it would have an impact on, on the weather. It does. <laughs> He's like, amazing. the magic. What are you talking about? That's, that's how our seasons are predicted. Are pre- they're all predicted by groundhogs, or does each season has its, have its own animal? Every weatherman does intensive training with the groundhog before yes. they get their license. <laughs> um, meteorologist. Meteorologist groundhog. It's a class license. you have to take with the groundhog. <laughs> yeah, groundhog 101 and then 201. Mm-hmm. It's actually a high-level class. It's like a 503 class. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, you know. <laughs> wow, this is a dumb joke. <laughs> but I'm all for it. Well, and also, did you know that the most popular groundhog is Punxsutawney Phil? But I'm pretty sure there's a second groundhog, and they have beef. And, like, sometimes they predict different things. I don't remember the second groundhog's name, though. I feel like there is, and I don't remember his name because he's a faker. He's irrelevant, comparatively. Yeah. Puxatani is the, is the man. It's like the OG, and this is like a wannabe trying to move up in the ranks, but no one cares. And also, actually, this is my question. What does six more weeks of winter even mean? More than what? Like, it's still going to be cold and snowy. For or six days early from the day spring. that he saw it. I think so. And then, oh, and then early spring would come if 
he didn't see a shadow. But that always confused me because I was like, oh, if it's sunny out, wouldn't that mean spring is coming? But actually, that's bad because he'll see a shadow and go into the hole. And then yeah, it's more no, winter. If it's, if it's overcast. That then... part always confused me as a kid. I'm like, wait, what do you mean if it's sunny, it's more winter? <laughs> this doesn't track for me. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we, we're busting this thing wide open. Go straight to the top. It's conspiracy. <laughs> I got my tinfoil hat on, okay? <laughs> anyway, Groundhog Day, the movie, though. Classic. Hilarious. Classic. Watched it all the time as a kid. I only think I've seen this about, like, twice, really. And I, one of them was with you. I've seen it, like, ten times, probably. Yeah, I think the last time I saw it was the second time I saw it, and I think that was with you and we, like, were pretty early in dating. Uh, it's probably the last time I watched it, but as a kid, I watched it, like, all the time. It was on probably one of those pay-per-view channels, you know? We just, <laughs> it was just classic in the house. Yeah. I don't think I saw this as a kid. I think I saw it, like, in high school or college for the first time, and then whenever we watched it last. I remember being really funny, because Bill Murray is hilarious. He's a gem. Probably one of the funniest people on Earth, honestly. He's so. super funny. He's super funny. And from what I've heard, a really nice dude. When we were in living in Brooklyn, he did this thing where he just, like, tended bar at a rush, like, at a bar nearby. Like, in our neighborhood, I think. I don't remember that. And I remember only heard that. about it, like, after. I would have loved that. Yeah. I just remembered that. We I would think. have had to go. He must have, like, that bar probably made so much money that night. Yeah, I remember, like, seeing pictures of it. And it was literally just, like, Bill Murray behind the bartending bar, like, all night for, like, two or three nights. I also might have been imagining this. I, I have no <laughs> recollection of this happening at all whatsoever. But, like, I don't doubt it could have happened. I just, I, that's something that's not tracking for me. Yeah, like, one of the fancy bars that's up, like, north. By the water somewhere? Yeah. Well, it's the remote out there where we were. By the water, there's no train. You have to walk like a mile. Yeah. So I think it was one of those ones. And he had just like tended bar. But yeah, everything that I've heard, he's like a really nice dude. He's like really authentic and fun and just like, he's one of those people like the way he comes off on screen is like actually kind of realistic to, or like a good portrayal of who he is. That's at least what I've heard. He's kind of an asshole in this movie though. Yeah, but a likable asshole. True. He basically memes himself in Zombieland. Yeah. He, he he does that in a lot of stuff, I think, now. I have a lot of respect for people that meme themselves in, oh, me too. in media. Oh, like uh, Josh Groban and... Um, Ed Sheeran does Ed it a Sheeran. lot. Ed, yeah. Ed Sheeran <laughs> in Yesterday was wonderful. So fun. Solo show for me. That was my favorite instance of like somebody completely embracing their meme of all time. I like don't even really like Ed Sheeran, but that made me really like him. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll buy his album now. Yeah. I don't know. When that dude was making <laughs> fun iTunes. of him for trying to rap. And he was just like in the movie about it. I was like, ah, I can't believe you said yes to this. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> what do you, so I, I know it. I feel like I know it very well because I've yeah. seen it. I'm forgetting some things. I remember it was really funny. I know the main premise and I remember kind of a lot of the plot, to be honest. But like, since you've seen it less than me, what do you remember about the movie? So what I remember about the movie, <laughs> it's almost kind of like an adult coming of age. <laughs> where, I, mean, I can see that. Or like a, like a redemption arc. Where he's, like, not a good dude. He has no reason to become a good dude. And then because of the magic of this film where he gets trapped on Groundhog Day and he has to relive that day over and over and over and over again, he finally, like, becomes a good dude. But you, like, get to come along, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like I remember a lot about the general plot, about, like, what he's doing and why he's doing it. And, like, you know, at first he's, like, just kind of embracing it and, like, having fun and doing stupid stuff. Then, and, like, trying to get with the girl. And then, yeah, he's like trying to hit on hit on his like coworker or whatever. I think yeah. that's actually a little bit more towards later into the plot, it, where he's just like repeatedly trying to 
get a little further with her and yeah. like striking out. I don't think that's like the immediate. Yeah, I don't think it's like the first play. thing he does. Yeah, I think the first time he's just like messing around and like trying to learn the rules of his world and stuff. And then like as it goes on, he gets more and more dismayed that he's like stuck here for all time. Then he just gives up completely. He like I think he kills himself a bunch of times. Yeah, he tries to also <laughs> kill the the groundhog. He like yes. steals the groundhog and tries to murder the groundhog. And like the police like <laughs> have like all the cops in the town like come charging. He's like in a chase. Does he have a a a, a, a Jeep Wrangler? Is that what he drives? I don't remember. I, I just like might. remember there's a scene of him like in the morgue and the, the, like his like coworkers identifying him. It's like, I don't know. He just snapped, I guess. <laughs> and then there's like, then he's like, just gives up and he gets really depressed. And then he actually like starts using this opportunity to better himself. And then like, eventually he actually becomes a good person. And that's how he's able to escape the loop. But what's cool. It's like a Christmas carol. Yeah. In a lot of ways for me. But what I think what's cool about this one, instead of Christmas carols, it's not somebody explicitly saying, like, hey, stop being a douchebag. He just, like, I think over time, like, he might end up seeing the impact his, like, douchey behavior has and, like, just starts to become a better person or something. Like, I don't know. It's less, like, be a good person or else. And it's just, like, somebody growing up in a way. Right? That's why I kind of call it, like, an adult (laughs) coming of age, which is kind of cool. His change is very internally driven, I think. Yeah. Which makes it feel more rewarding as a viewer. Yeah, he wasn't told, like, this is how you get out is to be a, a good person. And yeah. then it's, like, disingenuous. He, like, actually does become a better person. For the right reasons. For the hashtag right reasons, yeah. yes. But, you know, it, it's kind of like Sisyphusian. Sisyphus. Sisyphusian. I don't know if that's how you say it. Where, you know, he's just, every day he's rolling that boulder up the hill. Except eventually, one day he finally does it. He gets the boulder to the top of the hill. That's every man's dream. That's so cool. You know. So yeah, I feel like I kind of remember the highlights of the plot because it's it's pretty simple. It's not a super complex story, but I think what's really cool is how they fill in those gaps. What does each day look like? What are the little gaffes that they put in? But also, how do they show character development and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. That that's the bit that I am wicked fuzzy on is what the day to day looks like and i'm really excited to see to see that again and how it all fills in because i remember the first and second time i watched it really loving those little like character driven plot things Mm -hmm. that are really fun yeah i think usually zay starts with him doing the news report on the the groundhog Mm -hmm. and then they go to their diner for breakfast and i think the thing that i like about the movie too is you learn about bill murray's character but then also as he changes and changes his situation, you learn about the other characters, too, as they react to the, his new things he does. You know what yeah. I mean? So you get more layers to the outside characters, too, even though they're not realizing they're trapped in this loop with him. Yeah. But you learn about them based on how they react to all the different things he does. When he, like, goes full, like, asshole, basically, and doesn't give a crap about anything. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts to improve himself and how they change. I don't know. It's just really cool. And it just really shows, too, how your actions do really affect other people. Yeah, for sure. It's a great way to, this is like a, you know, if this was an experiment, it's a great way for him to see, like, your actions actually do affect other people. hmm You know? Yeah. It kind of, what was that movie we just watched with the, the kid that can go into cupboards to go back in time about that time? That we watched? Yeah. What was that movie? With Rachel McAdams? Oh, yeah, about time. I don't think he goes into cupboards. I don't <laughs> think he has to go in the cupboard to go back in time. I know. He just has to, like, think really hard. But like, uh, I thought you were talking about like um, Indian in the cupboard for a second. I was like, "What the hell?" We didn't watch that movie recently. 
Maybe they bump into each other when they're in the cupboard. But uh, or Narnia, one of the Narnia movies, you know. Yeah, it, it, neither of those. It was about time. But like he can like replay his days and stuff. It's like a, a different take on that. Yeah, but uh, more endearing. <laughs> the other thing I remember about this movie it's very it's very very funny. I mean, it's got to be it's Bill Murray it's and so funny. So much of the movie is is just him. Like he must have an absurd amount of screen time on this in this movie. Because it, it, what I remember is it's just following him all the time. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, I honestly, I will be shocked if this is not a wine. Shocked. I might have to, like, stop podcasting. <laughs> wow. Luckily, I haven't said that about stuff like uh, the Page Match Master, which we just watched her. That's how strongly I feel this is going to be a wine. Like, I'm really willing to bet that. And wow. if this is a milk watch, I guess, goodbye, everyone. This is it. This is it. No, I'm, I'm, I would be similarly shocked. I don't know if I would stop the podcast because I'm having fun, but <laughs> I would say. That's how distraught I would be. I am. I would say that I, I would be pretty shocked. Can never step up back to the mic. Wow. I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in a weird mood. Uh, I would be pretty surprised. I, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything particular that's going to age really poorly in terms of like the content that they're covering. You He's know? kind of a jerk. He might have some off color jokes and things like that. Yeah. I can see that being a problem. But I think it's okay to have those off-color things as long as he grows up against them. Yeah. I mean, like, hopefully he's not, like, dropping the N-word or something, right? Like, rush hour. But, you know, I think part of the problem with with some of those is when they have really troubling language is that it's not portrayed as a bad thing. Hopefully, if this has that, it would be portrayed as a bad thing that he grows out of. I don't know. Maybe his relationship with his coworker could have troubling aspects and stuff. Oh, I think he's a little skeezy when he's trying to just hit on her over and over again. Yeah, it's definitely gross. It takes commitment, though. (laughs) Every day they get a little further. A little bit further. But I do think that part of what's good about it is that it shows him, like, the whole point of it is that he becomes a better person. So you can have a shitty character as long as they grow up, which I think this does well. So that's why I think even if he's, like, really, really gross to start, it's it'll still probably be a wine. You feeling wine, too? Yeah, I, I mean, it's... It's Caddy or Caddyshack. It's Caddyshack. It's, it's Groundhog. <laughs> it, it's Groundhog Day. I mean, it's Bill Murray. What? You could probably say that about any Bill Murray movie and be like, oh, yeah, it's so and so. He's yeah. Bill Murray. It's a wine, you know? Going into this, I feel very similar to when we watched Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, he's an, he's an icon. He's you know, there might be some stuff that's gross, but like, it's Robin Williams doing Robin Williams stuff. It's Bill Murray doing Bill Murray stuff. It's going to be really hard to pick out stuff that really. Would sour this, I think. I'm really, I'm, I cannot wait to watch this movie. I'm pretty excited, yeah. I'm pretty excited. Why don't you give us some little facts on this movie so that we can go watch it? For sure. So, it came out in 1993. It was directed by Harold Ramis. Produced by Trevor Albert and Har- Harold Ramis. Screenplay by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis. <laughs> Very popular. Another popular one, story by Danny Rubin. Those two. Look at that duo. Starring Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, Chris Elliott. Music by George Fenton. And uh, it's 101 minutes, which is an hour and uh, 41 minutes. Good job. I did it. Congratulations. I'm, I'm getting there. Yep. And Your math, is, the flashcards are really helping you. <laughs> flashcards are helping. It's been working. This is a weird one, though. I've n- I don't think I've ever seen this when we've been covering movies. The budget is hyphenated on Wikipedia. It's $14.6 million hyphen 30 million so i'm guessing it means that it's somewhere in between there i don't know why (laughs) i don't know why they wouldn't know it's bill murray's contract he has that you can't really disclose the budget because they don't want he doesn't want people knowing how much he's paid there's an illusion there you know 
I feel like you're making that up. I'm totally, totally making that up. <laughs> be pretty badass, though. But it grossed uh, 70.9 million at the North American box office. So pretty successful. If we're going by your money thing, uh, it's, a, it's a good sign Show that this one's a good one. Yep. You know? I mean, it's definitely not as bad as the last two movies we watched in terms of uh, its budget. So that's pretty good. Uh, something interesting, though, that I'm seeing here on Wikipedia is that Harold Ramis and Bill Murray work together a lot, I guess. But this film specifically marked the end of Remus and Murray's long collaborative partnership. I guess they had made films like Caddyshack and Ghostbusters as as well as others together. Big names. Yeah, big, big names. names. Big, big, successful. Classics. Movies, right? And then they just like kind of fell out of it for this one. It's saying specifically that Murray clashed with Remus over the script. Murray wanted it to focus on the philosophical elements, whereas Ramus had concentrated on the comic aspects. I do remember there being a little bit of philosophy in this. Maybe he reads some books to try and get some insight on how he could leave the loop or something. I can't remember. I don't remember, to be honest. I could That, that could also be completely made up. Um, that sounds like a very awkward, hostile work environment. Imagine being like an extra, having I, to be around all that. <laughs> well, it explicitly says here that it was filmed... From March to June in 1992, almost entirely in Woodstock, Illinois, but filming was difficult in part because of bitterly cold weather, but also because of the ongoing conflict between Remus and Murray. So hostile work environment indeed. That's interesting. Bitterly cold weather and bitterly cold feelings. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's cr- That's actually something I do remember, though. The movie itself, the set is very cold looking. Yeah. It, it is like full winter when they're filming this. Yeah. It makes me miss it. I don't know where Puxitani is. Is it close to like Pittsburgh <laughs> on the map? Because it's, it's out, cold man. over there. It's cold in Illinois, though, with all the lake effects snow where they're filming. So that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about anything. So don't I'm, ask me geography ever. I'm going to have to bundle up watching this movie. You know, when <laughs> yeah. you watch something cold and you have to, you feel cold? No. Oh, I haven't seen a lot. You <laughs> <laughs> don't know what that's like. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go watch Groundhog Day and uh, see if it ages like wine or milk. Probably wine. Spring is coming. Welcome to the Wine or Milk podcast, where each week we rewatch and review nostalgic movies and media from our childhood to see if it aged like wine or milk. I'm Jess. And I'm Kyle. And this week we're watching Groundhog's Day. <laughs> oh man, that's one of the stupider jokes we've done. <laughs> Do you think Sunny and Shares I Got You Babe is in public domain? I don't think it is, no. Oh, it's too bad. No, and neither is the, uh, what was that the- city bed? Pennsylvania polka. That's not in the public domain either. I looked. <laughs> the one that they play in like Gobbler's Notch or something or Gobbler's square. Knob, but like knob. dear oh, God. Lord. What a name. That's awful. Gobbler's it's Knob. It's so bad. Every time someone said it, it was just like, that's a real place. Yeah. Not good. Not great. That's a place. That's like the town center where they have the Groundhog Festival every year. Yeah. Like the fake 
Well, not the fake. Like, the, the set that they build, they call it Gobbler's Knob. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Weird. But overall, pretty fun watch. I really enjoyed it. It also made me very grateful I don't wake up at 6 a.m. every day. Did it make you at all... This sounds so weird. Did it make you at all, like, a little bit jealous that you couldn't, like, live a whole bunch of lifetimes to get really good at a whole lot of stuff? Yes and no, because there was also some serious, significant downsides to living the same day over and over again that they highlighted. Yeah, but, like, you would, like, literally never screw up. Because you just try it again. No repercussions. Yeah, but you never get to move forward. You see, this is the thing. It would have been truly hell if he couldn't bring any of his new skills back with him every day that it refreshed. But since he he got to learn new things and use that knowledge the next loop, it wasn't as hellish. It was much more purgatory in that way than hell. Yeah, I agree. But I, I don't like that's not something I'm envious of, I don't think. No. You know. Maybe. I shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. Don't should yourself. <laughs> uh, but how about I give a quick rundown so we can do, we can pull this one apart because there's a lot of really fun stuff to, to talk through. Yeah, I feel like this is a movie that has a lot of like little Easter eggs. Oh my God. I bet if we watched it like a hundred times, we'd pick out something different every time. Well, if you could live every day, then you could watch this movie every day over and over again. I think if I had to watch this movie every day for the rest of my life, that would be pretty hellish. Yeah. Yeah, see what I'm saying? You get stuck in those little things. Like, he had to watch the same Jeopardy episode every day. That's hell. <laughs> he was really good at it, though. Yeah, because it doesn't take that long to memorize all the answers. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. I will give us a quick run through. Okay. okay. You hated the opening credits? Well, it was interesting. The, the opening credits were kind of, like, chopped into two. The original ones were dumb. They were just clouds moving with names on top of them in brass trumpet music. So it was, it was nothing. It was just, it was, it was just names and clouds. Low effort. Low effort. Low effort. Low effort. I guess because he's a weatherman. That's why they had the clouds. But it wasn't even like weather. It was just like crappy cloud moving. That's weather. It was blue skies with clouds moving around. That's weather. I guess. Anyway. What do so, you want? Rain? That's crappy weather. Yeah, I do. I want, I, you know, different, different cuts of life, you know, not just clouds. Not every day is blue sky and clouds, Jess. Like, for instance, today it's blue sky, no clouds. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know what you're trying to do here. All, all I know is I would fast forward these credits. Yeah, they're nothing. Uh, but the opening scene is really, really fun. We get Bill Murray standing in front of a blue screen, just like gesturing. And then you realize he's doing like an actual like weather forecast forecast. I was going to say weather performance <laughs> performance. Oh, my gosh. Well, I remember when I was a kid, my mom telling me that the weatherman can't see the map. And mm-hmm. I was very, very impressed by that. And I was like, how do they know where things are? And the, you know what I'm thinking? My mom probably knew that because of this movie. Yeah. Probably. You know what I mean? This is when she found out. It was actually very impressive. Yeah. He did cool. a good job doing it. I love I love the character. It sets him up to be just like right from the beginning. He's just like so like cocky about it and stuff. Uh, it's just it's just very funny. Uh, but he ends his weather performance by saying performance. that he's going to Punxsutawney. Uh, which is his fourth year in a row. And apparently some major networks might be scoping him and he's like planning on moving out of what's like possibly like a smaller local station in Pittsburgh into like maybe like national news or regional news or something. He's got big dreams. Big dreams. And he he's you can tell as soon as the camera's off, he's like talking crap to his anchor. Yeah. He calls her hairdo. Yep. So very early on we see like he's trying to work on his career, pretty egotistical. 
Not a great guy. Uh, so now we get the second part of the opening credits as they're driving through what I think is Pittsburgh. It's kind of showing like skyline and highway shots of Pittsburgh as they're heading out to Punxsutawney. I looked it up. It's an hour and a half drive from Pittsburgh to Punxsutawney. Cool. So it's not that far. Not that far. I figured they were close together. And uh, he's like talking to everybody. So he's like, you know, I'm going to be leaving. Uh, this is my last, uh, this is probably my last Groundhog Day, which was fun because obviously it is not. They arrive in Punxsutawney and he, we have in the van, it's Phil, which is a fun name because he shares the name with the groundhog. Yeah, and Phil is the main character of the weatherman. Yep. I was about to call him a uh, gopher, and then I realized that was probably really insulting to groundhogs to be called gophers. Are they the same thing, though? Are they? I think they are. I don't know. Hey, Google, are groundhogs and gophers the same thing? So, uh, that was probably cut, but... <laughs> The Google Home did confirm groundhogs and gophers are like the uh, are not the same. They're thing. different. They're different. They're related, but they're different. Yeah, one's a kangaroo and the other's a marsupial. A marsupial? It was something close. Kangaroos to marsupials. are marsupials. I don't know. They're not the same thing. They're not. They're different. So they're cousins, though. Um. So Phil is the the weatherman. Bill Murray. Then we have Larry, the cameraman, and Rita, who is the producer. Mm-hmm. This is the the team of three head into. The big festival. And so they arrive in Punxsutawney and Phil is like, Rita, I can't stay here. The last time I was here, it was awful and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you're not staying here. I got you bed and breakfast. So he heads to the bed and breakfast and he goes to bed. He is awoken at 6 a.m. by what is the thing? I got you, babe. Sunny and Sunny shares. And share. I, I got, got you, babe. babe. The I, clock radio. The clock radio. 6 a.m. Love a good and, clock uh, radio. And a charming duo of local news uh, radio like news anchors uh talking about the day so phil goes about his day he starts getting ready he heads over to the festival he's reunited with a old high school classmate named ned ryerson who really wants to sell him insurance yeah and he's also kind of a skeezy salesman phil phil, phil connors love his voice <laughs> uh he's I, I forgot to write down who he's played by but i love this actor he's in a lot of stuff they show him a lot in the movie. Obviously, it's Groundhog Day, but like the way he like runs in that one scene, and like just the way his body mannerisms are in his voice, he's really funny. He's a quirky guy. He's also so committed to the sale. No matter how Phil presents, he pretty much always tries to sell him. Except for the one time where he, well, two times. One where he punches him out, and then the second one he just like starts hugging him and caressing him. <laughs> yeah, he like kind of hits on him a little bit. Uh, but anyway, we head to Gobbler's Knob, and it's Groundhog time. The group of men in their top hats are called the Inner Circle. Didn't know if you knew that. Ooh. Um, that's kind of exclusive. Yep. They're the people that handle the groundhog. Yeah. I looked into just like Groundhog's Day lore because I wanted to, to brush up on it. It's really weird. It's a lot of uh, willing di- uh, suspension of disbelief. And like they really think they, they pretend that it's the same groundhog every year and that they've never it's never been wrong and stuff. It's it's wacky. Pretty sure groundhogs have short. Hey, Google. Oh, God. How long is a lifespan of a groundhog? 14 years. Groundhogs live for 14 years. That's pretty long. That's like a house cat. I'm going to have to credit a new host for this podcast because you keep introducing a new person to our our duo. It's a trio now. It's the Google Home. I feel like, you know, someone who, like an older adult that's like talking to Siri all the time. (laughs) That's me. That Google assistant. Oh, Lord. Siri. Siri. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway. Call Kyle. 
So they wrap up the uh, the groundhog ceremony and Phil is in a hurry to get back to Pittsburgh. He wants nothing more to do with Punxsutawney. But as the weatherman, he was confident this blizzard was not going to be hitting them. It was going to get blown out to sea by a uh, cold front coming up from the south. He has the hand gestures and everything for it. It's going to Altoona. He is so wrong. The blizzard strikes and uh, blocks them from getting to Pittsburgh. So he is stuck in Punxsutawney. I thought this is a very great way to bottleneck his character. Bottleneck him? Yeah, you know, like it's a, like a writing thing where like you you can't leave. Mm, yeah, the, the the setting. Yep. Like a lot of horror films will do that. They're yep. like, oh, the the telephone wires went down and the roads are closed. You know yeah. what I mean? That was a clever way because he has to reel the same day. He can't just like flee to Pittsburgh yeah. and try to get answers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was very cool. So he they head back to Punxsutawney. And, uh, you know, he tries to get out. He's talking to the highwayman. He's calling these emergency lines. And he's like, I'm a celebrity in an emergency. All Do you have a special stuff. line for celebrities? Do you have a special line for emergencies? Yeah, I'm both of them. Basically. Also, just like you're a local news, bro. You're not a celebrity. No, but he really thinks he is. And so ends up just going back to that bed and breakfast, going to bed and is awoken by I got you, babe. By Sonny and Cher. So slowly he goes about the opening morning, but he's like, okay, wait, something's not right here. I thought he caught on really quick that it was the same day. I was pretty impressed, actually. He did. He was like noticing that the news was the same. And he at first he was like, you're playing the same tape, boys. Just thinking that they're like messing backwoods, no good, you know, uh, radio station. Then he like slowly starts realizing. I think the thing that does it is he looks outside and there's no snow on the ground. He's like, well, that's not right. There was a blizzard yesterday. Something's yep. wrong. And then he like runs into the same dude outside of his door who's yep. like, you going down to the festival? Yeah. And he like accosts him. He's like, what day is it? Uh, and then he heads down. I really like this one. And the, the previous day he talked to bread and breakfast lady and she was like, uh, are you checking out today? And he's like, chance of departure, 100 percent. But then today he's like, chance of departure, 80 percent, 75, 80. leaves. <laughs> <laughs> It was my one of my favorite jokes of the whole movie. Really honestly. good. It really good delivery. It was really fun. So he goes through the whole day and he's just like, what the hell is happening? And so as he's going to sleep, he breaks a pencil and puts it on his bedside to see what happens, basically. And then when he wakes up the next morning, it's I got you, babe. Pencils, Pencils back together. Restored. So he's like, I don't like this. He skips his Groundhog Day news report yeah, that he's report supposed to do and goes to the local diner. Brings Rita and she, he's like, Rita, I'm reliving the same day over and over. He ends up going to the doctor and getting a brain scan. It looked just like an x-ray, though, because they didn't have, like, good enough machinery. Well, that's what they said. They're like, if you want an MRI or a CAT scan, you have to go to Pittsburgh. He's so like, I just can't ex- go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> just like an x-ray of his brain. Yeah. And. Goes to psychiatrist. Yeah, goes to psychiatrist, which at first glance, I thought it was Adrian Brody. It is not. It is actually. Uh, I forgot again, I forgot to write the actor's name down, but I know him as Selena Meyer's ex-husband, Andrew, from the show Veep. He looks so young. Yeah, in this he's a baby. Movie. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but he's like a psychi- small town psychiatrist. Like he- he's clearly in over his head with what Phil is saying. Yeah, he's like, why don't you come back tomorrow? And he's like, I can't. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Props to him, though. He like it only takes him. Very quickly to realize his day is repeating. And then by yep. the third day, he's already like, something's wrong with me. And he's going to the doctor. Yep. I think he has a lot of balls. I feel like I would just kind of like 
write it out because I'd be like, people would never believe me. You yeah. know what I mean? He's right to the source. Well, then this was also a really realistic interaction. After all of this happens, he just heads right to the bar. Starts getting plastered with some local guys. And, Keep uh, in mind, it's a bowling alley bar, which yep. makes it even better. <laughs> and he says to them, what would you do if you were in the same place and do like doing the same thing and nothing ever mattered? Nothing you did ever mattered. They're like, and, that's my life right yeah, now. <laughs> they were already like, well, that about sums it up for me. And then, you know, he's like going out and he ends up driving them home because they're too drunk to drive. And uh, at one point they're like, well, no no tomorrow, then no consequences. We could do whatever we wanted. They're like, no hangover? Yeah. And Phil takes that quite literally. And so he goes driving their car. He, like, runs it into the mailboxes. He's, like, going on a police chase. He drives on the railroad tracks and, like, almost gets hit by a train. He ends up getting arrested, goes to sleep in the police cell. I love Turns out, I got you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite joke when the police come to pick him up at the police chase, he's like, let me do the talking. And then he's like, <laughs> he places like a drive through order with yeah. the cop. Like, can I get three cheeseburgers, two large fries? Can you imagine how pissed a cop would be if you did that to them? After oh, my God. Crashing right? through their whole town. So it's the next day. And I wrote down that this is his asshole day. He's he really embraced that no consequences mentality. So he goes downstairs and just kisses the air, the Airbnb, the bread and breakfast lady right on the lips. You really have a hard time saying bed and breakfast. What did I say? <laughs> you said bread and breakfast <laughs> already. And whatever you just said before was still not bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast? Is that good? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good NPR <laughs> voice. Uh, so yeah, he kisses the bed and breakfast proprietor he tells right her, on the lips. Hold my room. Yep. Not even trying to check out anymore. He's walking down to the Gopher Fest and Dex Ned right on the face. Groundhog Fest. Groundhog Fest. Don't he remembers to sidestep his icy puddle today. Yep. He's on a roll. He's on a heater. He heads to the diner and orders literally everything they have. And then there's this hot girl at the diner and he asks her all about her life. Wakes up the next day Goes back, finds that hot girl from the diner at the Groundhog's Day Festival, and uses all of that information to sleep with her, basically. Yeah, he basically, he pulls, like, basically what Ned did. When he first saw Ned, he didn't recognize him, and Ned was like, Phil Collins? Yep. And he's like, Case Western High School. Remember we had this chem class together yeah, or Nancy? something? Nancy? Oh, my God. So yeah. he does the same thing, including the Ned voice, yep. to Nancy. He's like, <laughs> we went to Lincoln High School together in Pittsburgh. And, like, pulls out his English her English teacher's name. I thought that yeah. was really clever and also showed how gross he is. Oh, he's so skeezy. I just like how he learned from Ned. Yeah. So then they go to Poundtown. It's the next day. And he's standing outside... Just out in the town square and watching these guys put like big money bags into an armored vehicle, but narrating exactly what happens over mm -hmm. and over again. And then at one part of this day he memorized is a woman spills like a whole roll of quarters on the ground. So the nice men that are in the armored vehicle try to help her out and he's able to walk away with a big fat bag of money. I don't think it's the next day. I think he's, like, doing all these iterations yeah. to get to that point. But basically, he's just, like, figuring out ways to, like, game the system. Yeah, the, the implication here is that since he went to Poundtown to now, there's been lots of days where he's just, like, studied the town and learned how he could manipulate it. 
It wasn't just the next day, but it's the next day that they show up. He's, like, going on dates with other women. He's stealing money. He's buying a beautiful blue Mercedes with his stolen money. In a full-on cowboy outfit. What was that? Was that, like, a reference to the good, the bad, and the ugly? Potentially. I thought it was funny, too, because he's with a new date when he has his new car. And Nancy walks by, and he sees her. He's like, oh, look at that. It's my old fiancé. Because when he was trying to sleep with Nancy... He was like pulling out all these like gross moves and like telling her he and loved accidentally her. Accidentally called her a bunch of times. That's why he had to do the gross moves. Yeah, and he was like, "Will you marry me?" And uh, it was just the no things, consequences. The things you say when you're trying to make the moves. I don't know. Personally, if I was Nancy, I would be freaked out by those statements. Yep. but it worked for her. It worked for her. So, so we skip ahead some indiscernible amount of time, and he is back at the. I think he's back at the cafe with her. No, I think he actually says this to her at the Gobbler's Knob. And Who's said, her? Rita. Oh, he's yeah. back with Rita, and he says, uh, if you only had one day, what would you do? And they're, like, walking in this, the center of town, and she's, like, kind of suspicious, because her only, like, understanding of Phil is that he's a giant jerk, because it's still only been one day for her. Yeah, she's only known, like, 24 hours. He's like, I'm interested in you. And so they go to the cafe, and he just kind of starts, like, interviewing her. And like he's getting the raw data. Yeah. It becomes very clear that Rita is his next conquest. Yeah. And so he like sabotages the camera van. So it has to stay in town and just keeps replaying the day, like learning new things about her. And it, it, it's actually really fun because like he'll make it to dinner with her and then like he'll put his foot in his mouth. So he like starts over again and uses what he learned there to get a little bit further every time. Yeah. Um, one of the big things he does in this time is he learns. 19th century French poetry because she studied it and at first he's like wow you must not have wanted much out of your life basically. He was like that must have been hard for you to make that decision. Yeah. And she like gets pissed and then the next date he's like speaking in French to her. Yeah and and reciting these poems and stuff. It's it's very funny but it also he still is a scumbag. Yep. And so eventually he does get far enough where she's comfortable coming up. He like crafts the perfect day. It has all of these really nice highlights and she sees a different side of him and he ends up bringing her back up to his bed and breakfast room. <laughs> and, but he doesn't, he doesn't get to pound town with her. He doesn't feel the deal. successful. He tries it a bunch of different ways and every way it fails in a different mechanism. He keeps getting slapped. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes, slap city. Yep. I think the one thing I like some of the little jokes that he has are so funny because at one point she's like, I, you couldn't plan a day like this to him. And he goes, <laughs> yeah. it takes an awful lot of work. <laughs> oh my God. That was one of my favorite lines. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was, a, this was kind of a scene that I was, he was like uncomfortably pushy with her. I think what was wonderful about that scene though, is he was uncomfortably pushy, but it was a different type of uncomfortably pushy from when he was with Nancy, where he was just doing it to be like self-fulfilling here. I think we really started to see the weight of the passage of time on him where he was like, I have been doing this so long. I need my payoff, basically. And it was just like frustration. It it wasn't him only being a skis ball. You know what I mean? Well, at one point, like when he's doing it in the slap montage where he keeps like the date ends up with him being slapped, like he becomes like erratic. He's like trying to rush through it because he's done it so many times. It's really good. And one of the this is really where they set up what this film is going to be about. In one of the early loops, he tells her that 
he loves her, which was actually pretty believable because presumably he spent a ton of time with her to even get to this point. And oh, I didn't like, buy that. Oh, I kind of did in his early way, right? Like maybe it wasn't true, true love, but like I think for him, for Phil, who he was, I think he might have actually believed it. And she's like, you must be crazy. And she ends up saying to him that she can't love someone who only loves himself. Mm. And I think this kind of, that was really a catalyst that pushes him on to the track eventually of, of self. They plant, they planted little seeds of when he might start the growth. Yeah. Pretty early. Cause there's another really big moment that I think really finally is the last push. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a seed in there for him to get better. Yeah. It was really human. cool how they dribbled those little, like really overly negative interactions where something went very bad for him. And in the moment he didn't really do anything, but I think they kind of set it up so that later on in the movie, he could look back at it and be like, Oh, maybe yeah. I wasn't that great. It was really cool how they did it. It was, I think it would have been easy to take it to have just like one really shitty thing happen and then him decide to like turn his life around and it wouldn't have been all that bad and lazy, but like this way I think was harder, but better, you know? Agreed. Anyway, though, after Slap City with Rita, he can't seal the deal with her. He keeps getting rejected. Yeah. And he falls into a deep depression. He uh, is watching Jeopardy and knows all the answers. He's just like in his like pajamas, like wolfing down popcorn and all the with, old like, people. Are all the guests at the bed and breakfast. Just it's so good. Clapping him on. He uh, demolishes his clock morning after morning. He decides that it's got to be the groundhog. So he's like, he's got to be stopped and I got to stop him. I actually, the scene is so extra and so dramatic, but I loved it. It was, it, it was an entirely like, full 180 mood swing and then right after it it's just done it's so funny it was a very fun like if you know when you uh, what are the steps of uh um not depression um grief 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 yeah, yeah. this one almost felt like bargaining in a way you know <laughs> or something i don't know it's very very funny but he uh yeah so he kidnaps the the groundhog steals the the truck that he's in and just like drives away it's also a really funny scene where he's literally letting the the groundhog drive the truck. It wasn't bad. It wasn't badly done. No. Obviously, it was like a fake groundhog, but it it was it seemed pretty legit. Oh, I thought it was a real groundhog. Maybe it was. I might be stupid. I don't know. Um, but they end up it driving. Real. They end up driving to the quarry, and um, <laughs> he drives off the cliff of the quarry and like flips the car onto its roof, and it ex- and <laughs> Larry's and, like, yeah, he records like, the whole thing. The cameraman. Consummate professional. Good to his job. And he's like, he might be okay. And then, <laughs> then it explodes and he's like, probably not now. Uh, pretty pretty good. But then, doesn't matter. We wake up to Sonny and Cher. Yep. And so then he ends up killing himself a whole lot of times. A lot of montage scenes of like death by suicide yep. for sure. And then he ends up in the cafe again with Rita and he's just very matter of fact. He's like, I've decided I'm a god. I'm an immortal. I actually liked the conclusion he drew from this. It's very realistic because presumably he's been in here for what what must be at least a year, if not more. It just from the ideas that they've presented to us. And so pretty realistic. And so he goes through and actually shows that he knows everyone and everything that's going to happen in the diner, which was really cool. And Rita ends up actually believing him. Yeah, because he, he like can predict when the dishes are going to fall, what people are going to say. He knows everything about everybody in the diner. Like, he yeah. knows all their backstories, and he's just, like, kind of showing it off to her. And she's like, well, if I'm going to fully believe you, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to see what happens. So they end up spending the night together, and he Not just, like that. 
Yes, not like that, but he just shows her, like, you kind of see all the things he's gotten really good at, like, throwing cards into a hat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's very impressed and is like, yeah, you know, six months. All it takes is six months, four to five hours a day, and you'll be an expert at it, which is really funny. Another quote he had in this scene when he's explaining he's a god that I really liked was, he's basically saying, like, maybe God's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long. He just knows everything. Yeah. Wonderful line. Loved that. A little bit of that philosophy we were hearing about. Mm -hmm. Not as much in it as I thought there would be. I was hoping there'd be a little more, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So she ends up staying the night and he says, the worst part is that you'll have forgotten about all of this in the morning. So she stays the night, wakes up. It's the next day. Yeah. Or it's the same day. Excuse me. She does reframe him here a little bit because he's saying like it's a curse that he's stuck here and she goes before she falls asleep like maybe it's not a curse it just depends on how you look at it yeah she's like you know basically you have a chance to like unlimited time to improve yourself and make a difference for people essentially so i think that's like the last push for him that final reframe by rita yeah so he's motivated to do good he starts his day he gives all his money to that homeless guy he keeps you know running away from he brings coffee to his co-workers he's being really collaborative in the process he ends up going to take piano lessons i think specifically because rita was earlier explaining her perfect man and said that he knows how to play an instrument yeah um he's learning how to make ice sculptures that's he's impressive being in one of the loops he's really really friendly with the the old man the homeless man that he was giving money to and he ends up dying and he takes it really hard he's like no let me see the chart and he tries over and over again to save him seemingly he's not able to successfully do so according to the nurse it was just it was just his his time time. and then it (laughs) kind of culminates with him doing such a good monologue at the opening day uh or the the festival Festival, that all of the different camera like news stations that are there are just listening to him it's a really funny scene everybody is like intently listening to this gorgeous montage about like the the meaning of Groundhog Day and like how it's so special in Puxatawneyville and like how he wants winter so that you get more days with all these people. It's really good. <laughs> it's very poetic. Yeah, very, very poetic. poetic. And uh, he goes around that day just doing good deeds for everybody because he's memorized the day. He knows everything that's going to go bad and he does the exact opposite. He says he tells Rita he has to go run some errands. So yeah, he like goes and finds the kids about to fall out of a tree and catches them. And he's like, "You never say thank you." It, it was a very fun scene. Helps people with a flat tire. Sees a guy who's choking. Yeah, the Heimlich maneuver. Yeah, he just goes around doing good deeds for everybody and ends with the big, like, party that that, to celebrate Groundhog Day. It's like the culmination of the festival. It's like the town as a whole bash. And he's rocking out on some jazzy piano, which was very fun. And it ends, the party ends with a, like, a bachelor auction. And Mm -hmm. Phil goes up and he has all these ladies bidding on him. And Rita finally is like, I need to see what the hell's going on. And she bids $339.88 to claim him. And Which with inflation today is $612.66. So that's a lot of money. Over over half a thousand. <laughs> that's a lot of money to spend yeah. on a person. Not insignificant. I don't like the idea of these auctions personally. And it goes to charity. Yeah. And then you can do whatever you want as long as it's legal. That's the specific <laughs> rules they laid out. Reminds me of the one in Parks and Rec. What are you, uh, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do to her? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Anne. Uh, anyway, so uh, Rita and Phil end up spending a lovely evening together. And he, 
the point of all of this is to show he's really a different person. His motivations have entirely changed. He's really just trying to embrace the day. He saves a marriage. Do what he can. Yeah. And they end up going back to his bed and breakfast and falling asleep. And we're left a little bit wondering. We're like, did they go to Poundtown or not? I don't know. And then... <laughs> These are the things you think about, I guess. Yeah. And then I Got You, Babe plays again. And we're like, oh man, he's stuck in the loop. But then an arm reaches across and you're like, oh my God, somebody else is in this bed other than Phil. And then he jumps up. He's like, why are you here? And she says, I bought you. I own you. I loved that line. <laughs> and he's just like not making sense. He's like, today is, is tomorrow. It happened. And he's like looking outside and the snow is all there. And Still blizzarded. Yeah. And he's like, uh, he actually says to her, he's like, let's live here, which was really fun. Oh, my I God. Ho- I kind of hope he does. Well, and he's then, part of the town now. It is. He's probably lived there longer than anybody in the history of the world. Because uh, mm-hmm. I looked this up. I'll, we can we can talk about it. But uh, then the movie ends with it's almost like being in love. Yep. And Rita and him skip through the snow together. There's lots of kissing and the movie is over. Yeah. Which I kind of loved how little the romance matter to the movie it was a smaller portion of the movie but it was kind of set up that it was probably going to end up that way pretty early on so it wasn't like a surprise it was like peppered in for most of it yeah but it was much more about his growth and then his growth almost like made him worthy of like being in a relationship with a pretty cool woman not necessarily worthy of rita but worthy of just being a partner yeah exactly yeah which was cool like it didn't set her up to be like this goddess that he had to like win or something it was literally him just like kind of like he was worth another human's attention now (laughs) because he he could focus on somebody beside himself yeah no it was definitely more about his personal growth than the romance itself yeah so can i start with like just a couple of fun things i learned about this movie sure because i looked it up The first thing I looked up, because immediately when they get to Punxsutawney, it does like this sweeping shot of the town. It shows all these buildings. And I'm like, I know these buildings. I know this place. What the hell is going on? Yeah, you pause the movie to look it up, which is my biggest pet peeve. I looked up where this movie was filmed because I, well, we knew from the opening that it was filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. So I looked up. I was like, what movies have been filmed in Woodstock, Illinois? And the other movie that is famously filmed here is planes trains and automobiles i'm impressed with your catch i'm not gonna lie i'm very impressed with your catch there it's the town that they get stuck in and they end up getting the dairy truck they get picked up in the dairy truck and dell brings them back to chicago but it shows like a couple of the landmarks that they they showed in this movie and i was like i know this i know this place so that was a really fun one uh the the correlation or that i guess that coincidence between two movies we watch now well, I guess because Woodstock, Illinois, like, they're on their way to Chicago. Makes sense. Yeah. And it was a great filming location. I wonder if they were, they, like, called them up. And they were like, where did you film? Because that's the perfect town. But interestingly, a store in town was called Woodstock Jewelers. So they didn't really even mask that that's where they filmed it. <laughs> Maybe the jeweler, jeweler company owners were just, they all went to Woodstock in the 60s. And they it was a really, like, pivotal moment for them. Really big Charlie Brown fans. Like, psychedelic jewelry there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe. It was a decision on their part. The other really big thing is I was wondering, because this is part of the fun of the movie. They don't really give you a sense of how much time passed. Mm -hmm. And I was reading that. That was partially explicitly from direction uh, 
it might have been Universal or whoever, you know, produced this because they they thought it would be too upsetting if the audience knew how much time had passed. Their advice was to make sure it was less than two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, which clearly really? isn't the case. But no, it was at least months and months and months. Yeah. At least a year, I would say, minimum. So originally, I, I found this post on Stack Overflow where Danny Rubin, the guy who wrote this, actually answered the question, how long was he in there? And so he was saying that originally they were going to have this big bookshelf in the bed and breakfast where every day he would read a single page Mm -hmm. and it would show him working through chapter to chapter to book, book, book to book. And then he would get to the end of the bookshelf, read the final book, put it back and then start all over again. And that would be kind of like a marker of how just how much time had passed. So in that answer, he just generally said, I don't know, maybe like at least 10 years or something. Mm -hmm. But then a group of people did an estimate that were saying, well, like, here's all of the things he got really, really good at. Mm -hmm. And if you say, like, it takes this much practice this often for this much time, how how long would it take? And their estimate is somewhere between 30 to 40 years minimum just to learn those skills. Ice sculpting is not easy to learn. Becoming a great piano player and like all, all it showed him. Really learn a lot of stuff. Learn a new language. You learned French. How to rob an armored truck without getting caught. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's also the time of him just like deciding to become a better person. So at least 30 to 40 years. But then in the second draft of the script, he explicitly says that it was 10,000 years. Oh, my God. Which is, I guess, uh, I guess the guy who wrote it, Danny Rubin, considers himself a Zen Buddhist. And in... A lot of their writing, they use that as like a, a time frame which for, to just mean like a really long time, I guess. So I don't know if that's like a literal 10,000 years or something. But in the second version of the script, Phil specifically does say to read a 10,000 years. So it, it could be all the way up to that. That's wild. But yeah, anyway, those are the, the really, really quick, like fun facts that I have about this film because there's some there's some really cool stuff. Oh, also, the lead inner circle guy was from Christmas Vacation. He's you, a Shirley. You love pointing out all the interconnections from these I 90s do. movies. I do. I do. What I'm realizing is Hollywood is one big like networking fan club. Yeah. Yeah, like hardcore though. Have you seen the movie La La Land because that's literally the whole point. They have a whole musical number about it. No, you're 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 true. I don't know. I'm just not anywhere near that industry whatsoever. Yeah. But now that I'm like watching all these movies from the same ten years, it's the same twenty people in all these movies. Yeah. But yeah, this was um it was really fun. There's a lot, like you said, a lot of really fun little Easter eggs. It I think it like dripped just enough information. There's like stuff that you could fill in the gaps. It was really fun. A lot, of, a lot of fun. A lot of show don't tell too. Ton- oh my god, which is probably the best part of the whole damn thing. Like, even when he's doing the iterations with his dates with Rita, like, they're not explicitly showing him learn these things. Like, with the, when he orders, like, the twist of sweet vermouth. Yeah. The sweet vermouth <laughs> on the rocks with a twist, right? And he's like, it yeah. reminds me of the sunset hitting the buildings in Rome. You know that's something he learned from her, but they don't show her explicitly saying yeah. it, you know? A, a less confident, like... Like a writing or producing or editing team that had less confidence in their audience would have put like a voiceover narration. Yeah. That was like, and then he spent the next 50 iterations, you know, mm-hmm. like it was fun having feeling trusted as a as a viewer to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. This is one of my likes for the movie. 
is I like how Phil has inside jokes with himself throughout the whole movie. Because <laughs> yeah. he's the only one in the know. Like that that thing he says to Rita where he's like, it actually takes an awful lot of time to plan the perfect day. Yep. And the joke with like the weather, the weather thing, 100% chance of departure. Oh, mm, 80, 75% chance of departure. Like he's saying that for his own benefit. Yep. Um, and it, it especially captures that what it would be like to feel truly hopeless and that nothing that you did mattered because like you can break the fourth wall for these people all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like Deadpool in a way where he's like, he's a God in this universe. Cause he can do whatever he wants. He knows everything. And so he can just break that wall. He can break people's brains with the truths about themselves that they would never have known. He would have known. And it doesn't matter because the next day they'll recover from it. Mm-hmm. You know, no, and I it just was very cool, and it fit with his like asshole type character too. Oh, so yeah. you know, just yeah, to yeah, say yeah. it out loud and be blunt about it, and oh. I loved that. And it kind of evolves because he turns those inside jokes and those little quips for his own good into actually doing good for the town. Oh, neat movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because at that one point he's like, yeah, and here's so-and-so sue and she's gonna marry this guy today they're getting married but she's having cold feet and like he just like lays that bomb down on the table for them and then it causes obviously an argument with the couple but at the end of the movie you see him bringing them back together and getting them a honeymoon present yeah literally getting them like tickets to the wwe in pittsburgh or something you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's really cool but yeah i just i love well first of all bill murray is hilarious and he's very, very funny. But he's so deadpan throughout the whole thing, too, which worked perfectly. Oh, so good. <laughs> but, like, my favorite jokes in this movie were jokes he was saying for his own benefit yeah. with himself while he was trapped. Well, I really liked the scene where he was talking to the groundhog as it was driving the truck. It's <laughs> really funny. I did put, like, in my dislikes, kind of, which is still kind of a like, like, any other actor outside of Bill Murray, I don't think could have pulled it off, though. I think Some he has a jokes, special type of deadpan that yeah. works really well for this. I think a lot of the jokes would have fallen really flat if it wasn't Bill Murray. Yeah. Some of them are so, like, on the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of either being corny or inappropriate, and he pulled them off. Yeah, he, he was really good. And I think his his supporting cast did a really great job as well. Because they had to film the same scenes over and over again with him doing different things, but them having to be identical, which was really fun. Oh, they did a phenomenal job. I was thinking about that. Like, they have to do... Because he has to know, right? Mm-hmm. So everything has to be exactly the same every time. And I think that, like, it would almost be harder. I don't know how many times Larry had to, like, do the line about... Stay ahead of the weather. Stay, yeah. yeah. And But do it in different places and stuff. It, it, I don't know. It was just... Uh, at the very least, the continuity of it was really strong. But I think that all of the supporting cast did a really good job making those those moments identical mm-hmm. and not even just larry and rita but like the, the staff the at the diner and yeah the guy in the stairwell and like the bed and breakfast keeper yeah so and ned and everybody ned you know like it it really like took the whole town to like do a good job for it to feel so believable it takes a village to make a movie <laughs> it does <laughs> and my other like is just his character arc is just phenomenal. I thought it was yeah. so believable for the character they presented at the beginning of the movie of him realizing he could do whatever he wants without consequences, you know, playing long cons with like the ladies and just like the town in general, like getting a ton of money, like manipulating people pretty yep. much. 
then like kind growing of growing bored of it almost. <laughs> yeah, he got bored, like this desperation, then like the actual hopelessness, and then the actual then finally he's ready for growth. Yep. And tries to become a better person. So I just I really like the arc. I thought I thought it was very like authentic feeling and realistic feeling for who Phil Col- Connor was. I, I really love when a movie is able to build a world that supports the the goal. Like the goal of the movie was to have him become a better human, right? You could you could say that that is it. But like every part of the movie supported that to make it feel more believable. Uh, like you were saying, very much show don't tell. Mm-hmm. So like it took a while to get there, but it really felt believable because all of these things helped push him in different ways. Instead of other movies that we've watched, not even just for this podcast, but like in life where, yeah, like there's a big payoff with like somebody like growing up in a big way. But like we said, somebody would come in and just be like, hey, you're a dick. Stop being a dick. And then that's like the kickoff moment. Really, Mm -hmm. like everything in this movie contributed to that, which makes it feel more believable. We're a little bit more invested in it. And then it makes the payoff just feel so much better. Yeah. And they even dangle it. I mean, obviously, we knew this was going to happen, but like the way that they revealed that it was the next day was so wonderful. Like, I can imagine being in the movie theater when this came out and like holding my breath and being like, is this the one? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was really good. I liked how also they didn't explain at all why this was happening to him or how he really got out. Yeah. You know, I love that. Just mystery of the world, which is really fun. Because I feel like if they tried to explain it, it would have taken away from the movie. Like under the dome. I was thinking that. Right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't need to know what magical thing has created the set piece that this movie or book or whatever is living in. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, I think it's bold. I think it takes a little bit of guts to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't mad that I didn't know why this happened. Nope. I wasn't dissatisfied at all whatsoever. Nope. Because the stakes of the magic was low enough where you weren't like, okay, but like, now I want to know more about mm-hmm. the magic, you know? Another thing I liked about his growth, I felt like it was very internally motivated. And, like, there wasn't really a scene of someone, like, really just, like, telling him off and telling him that he was an asshole. Yeah. Like, he really slaps him after a while, but I think he understands, like, that was a deserved thing. But there's no, like, blow-up thing where someone's like, you're a scumbag. Yep. You know? So I think he kind of has to come to that conclusion on his own. I feel like in a lot of movies, sometimes, like, the culminating like push for people to be a better person is because they like lose someone because they're just done with them. A legitimate intervention is. Yeah. Or there's like a blowout fight or like a huge breakup or something like that. And like part of the reason this might not matter is because you wake up the next day and it's null and void. But also it's just like, I don't know. I think it felt his made his growth feel more organic. And he also, like, that would have felt out of character for anybody else because it's only been a day for them. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to imagine what he could do that's so shitty that people would explode on him in one day. Exactly. I think that frustration can't even build up. Yeah. Um, So I thought that was also cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Man, what's so fun about it is when you leave the movie, you're like, wow, that was really cool. And then the more you think about it and talk about it, you're like, wow, that was really cool. It Mm -hmm. really builds on itself. It's a very, uh, you know, it's tied very tight with a bow. Yeah. There's a couple other things that I said I liked a lot. One was we talked about already, like, just all the supporting cast and, like, a continuity of their characters yep. was amazing. Yeah. They were, like, true to themselves throughout the whole movie because they don't have time to grow because it's been 12 hours for them, you know, 24 hours for them. Um, Wonderful job doing that. I also just loved all the ways they showed the passage of time without telling yeah. you time was passing. And we talked a lot about those, but 
I just love the usage of the radio, the clock radio and the song. Yep. To denote how much time was passing. I thought that was a wonderful like device to mm-hmm. show that. And also just like you said, all the the talents he's accruing that take mm-hmm. a lot of time to do. And then even just memorizing Jeopardy and seeing how bored he is with everything. Yeah. You just watch it and you're like, wow, that must have taken a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially the ice sculpting. That's the, that's the one I'm most impressed with, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, all around, like lots and lots of likes. I don't know. Is there anything that we haven't talked about you wanted to touch on? Not necessarily like a like or dislike, but one thing I'm just like interested in because they do, they built a very complex world and did a lot of show, don't tell. One of the things that was interesting is when he's trying to save the guy's life over and over again, he like calls him like father at one point, And then another one, he at point, I think he calls him like pop or, and maybe even dad. I wonder if they were going for like, I wonder if they were going through something there. Like, like he was a that trauma him just, with his parent and it was bringing it up for him. Yeah, trauma like with his, his parent. parent died or something. I don't know. Or even just like the passage of time was like completely beating him down. He felt so removed from his like real life. And he was just like, you know, that's how it manifested or something. I don't know. It was very interesting. I, I'm curious what the what the thought process was there. But it was also like a fun little dribble to just be like, oh, well. Something is something a little deeper is going on here, but then they just left it. I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. I think for him too, it was like he's so used to manipulating the situation and like being able to do whatever he wants, and he like he still can't save this person. It was kind of maybe like questioning his godliness. Yeah, or like his first really big failure outside of not being able to sleep with Rita. Yeah, you know, and that seems a lot lower stakes than someone dying. Yep. You know, I don't know. That was an interesting thing and they didn't really touch on like there was this thing where he kind of came to terms that he couldn't save this man and then i might have actually liked it a tiny bit of that like of the philosophical stuff that bill murray was touching on mm-hmm. I, I actually really i love this movie and i think i would have loved it exceptionally more if they had just dribbled in a tiny like the tiniest bit of like philo- philosophy into it of him like grappling with his world and trying to come to terms with it by like reading descartes or something you know i think that would have been cool he's already reading french poetry why not descartes you yeah. know it would have been cool. But, I mean, that's like a, a min-max thing much more than, like, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I have one nitpick if we're about to get into our dislikes. Sure. Nobody sleeps so perfectly tucked into bed like he did. Every morning he woke up and it was like the, the quilt was over him like somebody else tucked him perfectly into bed. Nobody, that's not, just you can't be- do that to yourself. Just because you destroy the blankets doesn't mean that everyone destroys the blankets. Nobody can do that. Can tuck themselves in and then sleep a whole night on their back without moving a single blanket? No. Well, it's also a magical world that refreshes every day, restarts every day. Not so maybe believable. that's just his, like, you know, re- his reboot position. <laughs> maybe, yeah. That's about it, though. I, I don't have a whole lot that I didn't like. That's it for you? Yep. Wow. Well, that might be a record. <laughs> I I said, I mean, it was, he was clearly a scum and I did not like the way he treated women. He was very pushy with Rita in that one scene. But it, but it did like play into his character. That was a like for me. Yeah. I liked like, that he was totally awful. It just was hard to watch, to oh, be yeah, honest. It was, wicked hard it was really hard to watch. And like Rita was able to say like, no, and be very assertive and like. And he kept trying and stuff. It was, yeah. it was not good. And it's not easy to do that mm-hmm. sometimes. And also, like, a lot of women aren't able to say no in that way, you know? So it's, um, 
That was it was a little hard to watch, but it did play into his character, and obviously nothing bad actually happened. It was everyone, definitely uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. It, it's not like oh, you should have taken it out of the movie. It was just something that I was watching it, and I was like, ooh, I don't like watching yeah. this. You know what I mean? The only reason it's not a dislike for me is because I think it was important in that scene where he's setting up this perfect date, and on the surface, you look at it and you're like, oh, maybe he's a changed dude. He's doing something for something somebody else, and then as it starts to fray at the edges, you're like, oh wait, no, he's the same dude. He's just doing this because he's... Uh... He's just very practiced. Mm-hmm. Very rehearsed. Like his Punxsutawney Phil uh, opening, you know? Yeah. And then I guess the last other thing, like, there's a scene where he's, like, falling asleep with Rita. After he, the first time he kind of, like, tells her he thinks he's a god. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you know, from the moment I saw you, I knew I wanted to hold you. And he's talking about how kind she is and how in love with her he is and like i don't know it felt i didn't super buy it quite yet but i also now that you're talking about it like if he's really been doing this for years maybe he really did fall in love with her because he spent so much time with her that's how i read it personally yeah it was much 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 less love at first sight and much more i've spent so much time with this person and i've spent so much time with everybody here i think you're special Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't know I didn't like super like it because I guess it felt like a little forced and fast to me. But now that you put it into perspective for me, it probably was quite a bit of time that he's been spending with her. So yeah. like like years and years, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> Even so. before that first perfect date he crafted, it could have been years and years. Mm-hmm. It probably was. That was the vibe I got. So. But anyway, yeah, that was that's basically it. I mean, for me, like, surprise, surprise, it's a wine. I was very confident it was going to be a wine and it definitely is still a wine. Yeah. Wine for me as well. I do think actually like a very minor thing is sometimes I think the pacing was a a bit off and they spent a little too long on some gags or something than they needed to. But it was like not even remotely something I would complain about. It was like if I'm going in with an uber critical eye, maybe I could point to some of those, but it's a wine. It's a really fun watch. Highly recommend it to literally everybody. If you have kids that you're like comfortable watching like PG 13 movies with, watch this movie with them. It's wicked good. Loved it. I, again, would recommend it to everybody and probably the strongest wine we've had in a while. Yeah, it was good. It was really nice to get a little bit of a palate cleanser there. 19th century French wine. Yeah. And you know what? It was nostalgic. There's something fun about watching like these movies with the old technology and stuff that and like it's in an old American town. He's in a bed and breakfast. It was just it was cozy and nostalgic and warm. It was it was a good movie for the for the moment for us as well, I think. Maybe on a clock radio. I want to yeah, wake right? up to music in the morning. Yeah. I guess I can literally do that with my, hey, Google. Oh, God. <laughs> no, shh, go away. But yeah, and like, there's also just a tiny bit of nostalgia for like old media too. You know, like the local news networks and like radio stations and stuff. I don't know. It was, it was a nostalgic film for me on top of being really good. I agree. Yeah. Like, I really want to go to like upstate New York and go to like a bed and breakfast. But I'm afraid that I would die from COVID and we don't live near New York. So not in the carts, but I can just watch this movie and pretend. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe for Valentine's Day, I'll uh, make you a tray or something. Oh, my God. What a good transition into our what are we watching next? Oh, my God. I know what you're going to pick and I'm already so mad. Oh, my God. 
I know what you're going to pick. I'm so Valentine's Day it. is going to be right after this episode. I just want to get out. this over with. And Let's so rip it off. I thought it'd be really fun to watch a Valentine's movie, oh, thank like you. a love movie. And so, a love movie, a, a romantic love, comedy, maybe a love movie that Kyle loves. I love this movie Ugh. for Valentine's Day. We are going to be watching Ten Things I Hate About You. Finally. I just want to get it over with so we never have to Come talk about on. it again. No, it's so good. What do you mean get it over with? I feel like because you love it so much and I'm so like, eh, about it that like every time you talk about it and it, I just have like this bias against it, it's going to be really hard to just be neutral when I watch it. Oh, I really like this movie. I'm so excited. I wish you guys could see the smile I have on my face right now. I really like it. You're ear to ear right now. It's really fun. And we get to watch uh, Heath Ledger again. Yeah, I know. I feel like we just saw Heath Ledger. This movie actually has a really crazy cast. I think of Valentine's Day, I think of like an affair to remember or a sleepless in Seattle. Nope. The more modern version. 10 Things I Hate About You. That one's probably a milk. Not that. Not 10 Things I Hate About (gasps) You. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh my god. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you to get out of your system. No, no, no. You're excited to watch his movie with me because it's going to be a great watch and a lot of fun. That's what you meant to say. Anyway, you can find us <laughs> You can find us at Winermilk Podcast on Instagram. Oh my god. Uh at Winermilk on Twitter. Yep. Winermilk Podcast at Facebook. Nope. Facebook group page? No. Nope. Not even remotely close. Facebook.com slash Milk. Yeah, you just search it and it'll, it'll <laughs> pop up. <laughs> www.winermilkpodcast.com. Yep. We got our email. Winermilkpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And if you like what you're listening to, please uh, feel free to, what is it, rate, review, and subscribe. Yep. Wherever you get your podcasts. Really does help us. We now put out episodes on Wednesdays, not yep. Mondays anymore. Sorry. As you probably noticed. Yep. It's, it's not Monday. <laughs> but yeah, let us know if there's something you want us to watch and cover, something to sell to you. We'll have a listener's episode coming out later this month. Did we get anything wrong? Yeah, let us know. What do you think about Groundhog Day? What? And how wonderful is 10 Things I Hate About You? Yeah, Kyle is not taking any feedback or criticism about this movie at this nope. time. <laughs> Only compliments. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Definitely go give Groundhog Day a watch. It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will see you next week with 10 Things I Hate About You. Welcome to the Wine or Milk podcast. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And happy Groundhog Day. Welcome to the Wine or Milk podcast, where each week we rewatch Welcome and review the nostalgic podcast. movies and media from our childhood. Welcome to the Wine or Milk. I'm Jess.